fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pyle Welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people of the Roto Street Journal, paving your way, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory, fantasy excellence, fantasy trophies, all that good stuff. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. Wolf, how you doing? We got a Monday Night Football. I don't know if you'd call it a barn burner, exactly, <laughs> but I'm still looking forward to it. How about you? Coming off a couple bad losses for the Bucks, you never know what could happen on Monday night point. against Danny Jones and those Giants. It's football. We only got, what, five more regular season weeks left? Six more? Seven? I don't even know how long the fucking season is anymore. It's, it's long. But, yeah, it's long. So maybe we have a little bit more action. Only four more weeks of the regular fantasy season. After this week, three more. So it's getting damn close to crunch time. I'm doing good. Third place versus fourth place this week. Giving myself a little distance with a big win. I'm stoked about it. I know you can't say the same. You're pissed as soon as we logged on, and I, I understand why. Yeah, my team generally is in the 150, 160 range, and I've got 85 so far. Uh, and I feel like I was lucky. To, I mean, I, over half of those came from CMC and Mike Williams, and Mike Williams just came on one catch at the end of the game. I mean, it was terrible. It was like a group of mercenaries that I put together that didn't really feel like fighting for me. Um, and, and it's just like I hope everyone comes back. It's like if I knew everybody was going to be back next week or something, I'd feel a lot better. I know that Cup and Stafford will be back, but – Antonio Brown, who the hell knows? Calvin Ridley, I'll probably never see again. Chris Carson, I mean. He's done. done yeah, pro- probably. Eli uh, no, he had surgery. He is done. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, at least, no. I, at least I can cross – at least I can use that IR spot for somebody else. Um, <laughs> Antonio Brown's actually wanted federally if this is a fake uh, COVID card. They're, they're saying they're going to charge him federally for it. That's right. the locker room. There it is so right they, there. Things are looking up. Things are looking up for me right now. Um, <laughs> Eli Mitchell. Brutal. Who the hell stuff. Anyway, <laughs> that's what's going on. No, I don't feel good about it. Uh, let's move on to anything that'll make me feel better than that. And it would be literally anything we could talk about would make me He's feel better. He's the guy I would like. How about that, Wolfpack? Give us a thumbs up. Make him feel good. Get us out to more people. We will hit some th- uh, Monday Night Football news real quick. If you have Monday Night Football sit starts, get them on in. We'll get to all your questions after we hit these risers, fallers, all that good stuff, hitting you with all the usage you need to know, all the lessons you need to know for week 11. And that's pretty, as you said, we got to the top. That's pretty loaded. There's a lot of takeaways this week, a lot of interesting stats we didn't expect. So come on in. We'll cover those in about 40 or so minutes, hitting all the positions by positions. And then we'll get to all your questions, comments, as always, who won it for you, who lost it for you. Hit us up with everything you want and we'll read it. We'll get pumped on air. Let's get ready for some Monday Night Football action, baby. All right, let's talk about some Monday Night Football uh, news. The Athletics' Greg Amon has said that the Bucks are, and this is in quotes, optimistic that Gronk will make a, and this is also in quotes, healthy return Monday night against the Giants. Um, you know, obviously, if he plays, it's a huge deal. When he has played, he's been great. I'm wondering if they're actually just resting the guy at this point. I don't think so. That's why I think they would if this, if they had any concerns at all. And that's why I'm expecting they probably learned their lesson. You got to hope they learned their lesson last time rushing him back. He made it through like a quarter and ruined fantasy lineups and certainly has now missed extended time because of it. I can't imagine they would do the same thing. I know they're on a losing skid, but still risking Grog for the playoffs. I can't imagine they'd be doing that. So 
I expect a pretty close to full complement of snaps here. And Gronk is certainly in the big important packages near the red zone. I think he's scoring a touchdown tonight. If you're doing showdowns, things of that nature, Gronk is one of my favorite guys to target there, stacking him with Brady, Evans, all your usual weapons. He's a pretty good value on showdowns, so I like him being uh, being a weapon. I also do like in showdown slates, Tony, given that Sterling Shepard's out, he's going to get kicked into the slot there. Whenever he's played out of the slot, we've seen him get peppered. You never know with Jason Garrett. I've said a million times, other than Matt Nagy, those two are battling for who's the biggest idiot in the NFL on a weekly basis. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kyle Rudolph has another 30 targets over t- Tony tonight. Who knows? It's awful. It's useless in terms of Garrett. But if any night is going to be a streamable night for him, a bad Bucks defense, a pass funnel defense, I can see Tony having himself a big night for those of you in need of a, a Monday night football Hail Mary. All right. And uh, that, of course, was because Shepard's out. That makes it yes. even more relevant. All right, let's get into the quarterback, shall we? Because there's a lot of guys for us to talk about. This was a weird week in football, man. Jalen Hurts, uh, 13 out of 24 for a buck 47. Uh, no turnovers. That's worth something. The Eagles won 40 to 29. He also had 18 carries. There's the Konami upside that the Wolf always talks about. 18 carries, 69 additional yards. And the stat here, I mean, that's an extremely good game. I went against Hurts this week, and he totally oh. destroyed me. But, all right, let's talk about first 15 starts and let's compare Hurts to Lamar Jackson because I know this is a comparison that interested you, and when I saw it, it interested me a lot too. Essentially, they have thrown for exactly the same number of yards. Uh, Hurts has thrown for three more touchdowns. He has one less turnover, and they've achieved basically exactly the same number of first downs. So they're basically the same guy through 15 starts. That That's really impressive because I yeah. – the eye test or just whatever pops up in my brain, I think of Lamar as being substantially better. And maybe that's not the case. What do you think? No, I'm with you. He's doing everything the same. Certainly as a runner with three rushing touchdowns this last week, that's kind of what buried you. Uh, no passing touchdowns, but three on the ground. Yeah. That's just why you love the guy. Uh, it, as, a, as a fantasy product, he's now been top 10 in all but two weeks on the season. He's the only quarterback that can say that. He's had a, a couple down games, but even those have been buoyed by the fact that he's got over 50 rushing yards since this kind of new offensive philosophy of Nick Sirianni, where the Eagles are kind of making themselves a little feisty over here, maybe making some noise out there in the NFC. It's one of those things where like every team is in the hunt, it seems. If you're even yeah, if you're below 500, true. you're still in the hunt, which is just crazy this time of the year, given seven teams make the playoffs. But they're looking like a team, a pretty good feisty defense right now. Uh, a running game. They're kind of the, that exact formula, the team you don't want to run into. I like what I'm seeing here. I wonder what they're going to do with three first-round picks next year. Do you commit to Hurts? Do you just surround him with a ton of talent? Do you go out for your next franchise guy if you don't believe in him? He's certainly making the case when they're now calling the the plays right to his strength. That's really been the, the difference for me. Yes, he's been good in fantasy all year, but now the Eagles are actually good as a team, not just fantasy-wise, but real-life-wise, given that they're crafting this offense around the run game, certainly around Hertz's unique skill set. He makes plays on the legs that that exact you compared to Lamar Jackson, that's pretty much the only other quarterback that has the movement skills of this guy. It's very intriguing. I hope they commit to him at least for another couple seasons and let's see what he does because fantasy-wise the fireworks are very real. If they don't, somebody else will. Absolutely. Speaking of Konami upside, Mr. Cam Newton did return with 46 yards on the ground and a TD. He also threw two touchdowns through the air, 189 yards. Even with only 189 yards passing, he still had over 26 fantasy points. Certainly made us look solid for making him our QB of the week. It did not end up being a split. It was kind of this, you know, this rumbling that Cam Newton and PJ Walker would be splitting snaps. 
I don't think PJ Walker touched the field. So it looks like from here on out, it is Cam Newton's job. He has two easy matchups in a row. The fantasy playoffs do get tougher for this guy, but ultimately given that you're relying on the legs, the rushing touchdowns, he still has every bit of that amount of upside. Looked very, very solid. I think he's a definite QB1 moving forward. I agree, and he did look good, but you also saw some of the Cam Newton limitations in that game. Like of course. You saw, you saw him. I mean, you were like, oh, right, right. That's why things didn't work out. Anyway. I do think he threw the ball better than he did at any point I last year, though. Like agree. He, yeah. he made one. The pass to uh, CMC was oh, yeah. a great pass. It was Beautiful, really good pass. Bro. No, and I definitely believe he's the best option they have. Like, no question um, about it. He should be starting. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers. 23 out of 33 for 385. He had one or two touchdowns. I don't remember which, but they lost to the Vikings. He added 21 rushing yards on two attempts. And he really says his hurt, uh, his toe hurts a lot. Yeah, he had three touchdowns actually on that. Oh, he did? Work. I, I kind of put him on here just for the line. He has something worse than turf toe. Shut the fuck up. Like, he's my QB. Love what he did for me this weekend. Awesome stuff. Him and Adams, that stack, when it hits, it hits big. They combined for like 70 points for me. It was gorgeous. I love we should that. list a bunch of, we should make a list of things worse than turf toe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What a piece of dirt to have this great game. Like, yeah, I'm playing with worse than turf toe. Oh my gosh, my toe is killing me. Exactly. He's such a little attention whore. But either, either way, still a great game. You love to get reminded of his ceiling that if he is playing hurt, and he certainly, it's, I'm not going to say the guy's healthy by any means, but to do this when you're not healthy, just reminds you of the ceiling he and both Adams have on a weekly basis. Just that that throw to MVS was lovely at the end of the game. What a great yeah, game. I was hoping was. that one would continue to roll. Uh, but yeah, loved everything that, that Rodgers did this week. And just a great reminder, any given week he can dominate. You'd want to see that from Russell Wilson. Holy crap. 14 to 26 for 207 scoreless yards. Yet another dud. We were hopeful that it was just like the shaking off the rust. He's been gone for a while. And this is the one thing that pisses me off about it is all the hype. Doctors have never seen such a miraculous recovery. The hype videos, his finger is beyond human, the way this is turned around for him. And this is what you come out and fucking do. Oh, just abysmal as a fantasy QB. You certainly, I, we had him as our lower QB last week. And that panned out. We, we we had some pretty bad calls and as general, but our QB position, we were pretty spot on this last week. He sucked, and I cannot trust this guy at all moving forward. And it's certainly hurting guys like DK Lockett had an okay oh, day in 100 yards, but still, it's just you thought Geno Smith was a huge downgrade. He might be an upgrade at this I point. I think it's about time to pack it in for the Seahawks for the year. Oh, yeah, they're done. Dak Prescott. This is an interesting stat line. Yeah. 36 out of 40. That's a 90% completion rate for a buck 89 and two picks. <laughs> And the Cowboys, we lost the Chiefs. I think they lost 19 to 9. Um, awful. I mean, what, that, yeah, it's awful. I mean, it's like good for you completing all these passes. But if you look at the yards you got based on uh, the attempts, I mean, he's averaging what, like four and a half yards an attempt? That's terrible. Exactly. If, if, if like you just said, 90%, if I told you Dak completed 90% of his passes, I'd say the Cowboys 40 scored 40 points. Probably. Exactly. Against the Chiefs, nonetheless. Right. I don't know if the Chiefs are sneaky good on defense again. I think the Chiefs are sneaky good, period. They, uh, Yeah, they're they're coming around. And this ended up actually unfolding exactly like we said. You know, yeah, I know. Six and a half over under. We were laughing. And we're like, this is going to be one of the worst games of the week. It actually ended up being an okay game, but scoring-wise. I was think I said, I honestly think I said, I watch it be 10 to 6, which was yeah. pretty You close. weren't too far off. Like that, right. that was pretty damn close. Uh, so, yeah. And that sucked. I imagine Dak will rebound, but given that CeeDee Lamb and Cooper are both going to be out on Thanksgiving Day, it has to give you pause. The Raiders' run D is so abysmal. I think we're going to get a Zeke outing 
on on Thursday. And maybe, just maybe, you bench Dak. We'll see how the QB rankings shake out. Of course, I'll be live on Wednesday. Different times this week, though. We're, we'll go over our uh, schedule at the end. A little bit different because of Thanksgiving, as I'm sure you guys know and understand. On the other side of that Rodgers shootout, Kirk Cousins did have another banger. 341 and three TDs. He can still get it done every now and again. A reminder that if it looks like it's going to be a positive script game, this guy can get it going. 34 to 31 win. I think the Vikings, similar to the Eagles, a team that you don't really want to run into right now. You're used to Cousins blowing these types of games. And honestly, he almost did at the end with that pick. You know Rodgers would have gone right down the field had they thrown that interception. Still, solid game. And number one weapon, Justin Jefferson. Whew, what a day that I can't wait to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor, although the real story in this game is the other side of the ball. Tyrod Taylor yeah. completed 14 out of 24 for 107 yards. It's pretty much Houston Texan quarterback numbers. But he also added six carries for 28 and two scores. And that was more than enough to beat the absolutely inept Tennessee Titans. We talked last show. We were talking about who's the best team in the league, blah, blah, blah. We don't know who's the best team in the AFC. And we're like, oh, the, the Tennessee's got eight and two. And we both were like, no, we don't believe in Tennessee. <laughs> nope. Although I certainly thought they'd win this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't believe in them, but I, I believed in them to beat the, the Texans. Holy I, crap. I believed in them enough to pick up Ryan Tannehill on waivers and play him. I mean, now I kind of want to give you the honors. He's the last QB on the list, but okay. I, I I want you to be able to read this one and share your opinions on Ryan Tannehill's performance. <laughs> All right, why don't you read? Why don't you read the? Why don't you read Simeon and Hill, and then I'll close us out with Tannehill. All righty, fair enough. Uh, it's just a, a meh game from Trevor Simeon. Two hundred fourteen did throw three TDs in that garbage time, but two picks looked awful. What I imagine they just you followed this game up. Nick Underhill came out and said performance was bad enough. That's fair to wonder if they'll make a change at the position. Taysom Hill, the next day, gets a four-year, $95 million extension, even though he what? didn't touch, didn't so touch the ball. I, what are you waiting for, Sean Payton? Why are you paying this guy so much money, and then he doesn't touch the freaking ball? I don't know. This, to me, is a sign they might be turning things over. And if so, we've talked about this at length. Was the QB6 across his four starts last week, uh, last year, averaging 21 fantasy points per game? He was really just a very legit fantasy product because of the Konami upside, that rushing leg points that he would still be great for. I imagine they turn this thing over. And on Thursday night, he does get he'd get the Bills. Tough matchup, you'd think. Maybe, maybe, Taylor. maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what's happened to that defense? What a unreal performance. We'll talk about him in just a second. But yeah, this is just of note how bad Simeon was, and maybe just maybe we'll get Taysom Hill rejoining that low-end QB1, mid-range QB1 even, based on his numbers last year. Uh, could be interesting to see for sure. All right. Interesting is another way to describe Ryan Tannehill's performance <laughs> yesterday. 35 out of 52 for 323, which is like, oh, okay. Touchdown. Again, pass attempts against the Texans. If I told you that happened, you'd probably say a top three fantasy quarterback for the week. I would probably say that, but I would be wrong. He did have one touchdown uh, and he was picked off four times, oh. four times. Um, it was, it was just terrible. Like, and, you know, the, the note under it says, in fairness to Tannehill, with A.J. Brown out, he was throwing to players who he literally had to double-check, understood, and audible pre-snap. There's no in fairness to Tannehill. Like, yeah, his team's depleted. He still got picked off four times by the Texans. By the like, Texans. But, I mean, it was just terrible. Just absolutely awful. This is why we don't believe in the Titans. This is why, even though Tannehill can do some good stuff every now and then, we know he's not, like, elite or even necessarily knocking on the door of it. It, it was garbage. It made me so mad.
I mean, it's awful. It was yeah, infuriating. Yeah. I know you texted me at like eight of eight p.m. or whatever, and I could just feel your rage behind the text. I'm sure it was. It was just a tough day. Absolutely. And Wolfpack, we're moving on to running backs. But if you could, please consider giving us that thumbs up no, as we get to the it. next just position. Do just do rave it. about don't. this unbelievable performance. But thanks again for everyone being here. Please consider again giving that that like so we can get out to more people. Running backs, we got to kick it off with Jonathan Taylor. My good God, 32 carries, 185 yards, not one, two, or three, not four, five touchdowns for this absolute monster. And it just the underlying usage, we talked about him last week, you know, 82% of the snaps, he has officially become the true and utter workhorse. More so, though, the red zone volume, 62 red zone opportunities on the season. The next closest player is at 41. He has seen 21 carries since week four inside that's, the 10, not just the red that's zone. That's 50%. That's 50% more than the next person. Crazy. That's, that's not insane. Yeah. Insanity. Uh, and that 53.4, that's the fourth highest running back performance since the start of 2011. Doug Martin, Charles. It's crazy that Doug Martin's on that list, but Doug Martin, Jamal Charles, and Alvin Kamara are the yeah, there was It was a shades of Jamal Charles game, I thought. Hey, remember that game against the Raiders? My God. I do. It, it, it won me a playoff game. It was in the fa- it was week 15 of the fantasy playoffs. At Manny, it, when we were at Kiff, Manny Lopez had him against me. And I, I faced him in three out of five leagues. I was like a dominant force that year. One of my best fantasy seasons. It ran into the buzzsaw in every single league. is brutal. I, I had me. him. I had him uh, against my buddy Johnny Goodtimes, who I played this week in the playoffs. And I remember the game was over. Like our playoff game was over in like 12 minutes. That's all it, it was, took. It was great. That's all it took. And yeah, Jonathan Taylor, there's not much else to say. Over 50 fantasy points. You must have won your matchup if you had him, right? Unless you went against. Right. This guy, Austin Eckler, 11 carries, 50 yards, two touchdowns. He got five first downs or touchdowns, um, six receptions, 65 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Not too bad. So, I mean, that's a pretty uh, packed stat sheet, right? I mean, you know, any other week, any other week, this is the guy. And, I mean, he was still, like, competitive, right? I mean, what an amazing what an amazing performance by that guy in a game where the Chargers put up, what, uh, 41 points, something yeah. like that, 44? I forget. It was a lot of points for a team that needed him. And Eckler, Eckler was just completely electric. And I, I have Eckler and Herbert in my uh, WEI Boston like experts league stacked up on Sunday night. Needed like a, t- a sh- I thought I was done. I bear I, I was like this game's over. Whatever. Bam. Those two just a beautiful performance from them. When they click, they click big. So that was awesome to see against a good Pittsburgh defense. Depleted last night, but still beautiful. Your guy Christian McCaffrey. If you had any doubt with this guy was worth the number one pick, I mean, yeah, maybe Taylor, maybe even Eckler now are in that conversation for the rest of the season, but just another, this is exactly what you were hoping for. 10 carries, 59 yards, 4.7 yards after contact per carry. That's insane. But then what you always sign up for, seven receptions, 60 yards in a TD, playing 90% of snaps, 90% of routes, 10 of the 11 running back carries, eight targets, a 30% share. You thought Cam Newton might hurt him? No, this was beautiful. This was lovely. Uh, just everything you'd ever want to see. 90% running back uh, rushes, 30% target share. Like that is just the typical elite. This is why we love you, Christian McCaffrey. Thanks again for coming. AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones's absence got a lot of work. 75% of the snaps, 51% of roots, uh, 11 out of the 15 running back carries that the Packers had. And he got six targets, which was good for an 18% share. 11 rushes, 53 yards, not great, but I mean, you know, almost five yards a carry. And I mean, getting a lot more carries than anybody else and six receptions for 44 yards. And that was on only six targets. So he's catching everything that came his way. 
I would say a good, not great game, but encouraging. The fact that Rodgers was hitting people just all over the place with touchdowns seemed to kind of cap his usage a little bit. But I would say if you're an A.J. Dillon owner, you probably leave this feeling, I mean, fairly encouraged, right? Absolutely. Moving forward, your 73% rush share was the second highest of a running back for Green Bay. 19% target share was the fourth highest for a back this season. Very encouraging numbers for as long as Aaron Jones is out. And it was only supposed to be a week or two. I imagine just this last week they have the bye. Then I think we get Aaron Jones again. But yeah, one more week of monster usage. I wouldn't be shocked if this flips next week and you see A.J. Dillon also fall in the end zone twice. That's really the only thing missing from an otherwise great day. DeAndre Swift, a lovely performance to see because Jamal Williams was back. And yet even still, we had 73% of the snaps go to DeAndre Swift, 80% of the routes, 14 of 21 running back carries, four targets, a 17% share. And he did some real damage with it, racking up 136 yards and a touchdown in addition to three catches. Just a great day against a pretty solid defense. And when you had Tim Boyle at QB, there's no respect given there shouldn't have been. And I don't think, I certainly can't imagine there was on the NFL game plan there. And for Swift to still do this, that monstrous 57-yard rushing touchdown, he just looks so good every time he touches the ball. And just another reminder, even with Williams back, this guy is a locked-in RB1. Don't ever sweat that. Even with Boyle at QB, locked-in RB1. Don't sweat it. The guy's a monster. Speaking of RB1 slash workhorse backs, Nick Chubb back off the COVID list. 22 carries, 130 yards, uh, two catches, 14 yards in the air, and one touchdown. We were wondering about cheese nibbling because Dearness Johnson had looked so good. Chubb's 22 carries dwarf Johnson's five, so there was not a lot of cheese being nibbled there. Uh, ugly game against the Lions that they did win. Uh, if you're a Chubb owner, you feel pretty good. Absolutely. 30 and 22 points in his last two, both the season highs for Chubb. 8% target share, nearly 9% on the, the week. That's a pretty big difference given that he was a 3% across his first six games. It's not much, but it's honest work, and it's important. It's the honest work. The matter remains, though, Kareem Hunt is expected to potentially return in Week 12 against the Ravens. That would, of course, put a big cheese nibble. Dearness might not be nibbling, but we know the mouth. Someone's nibbling, though. Right. He's, he's going to be nibbling, no doubt about it. Joe Mixon, what's left to say about this guy as the round two running back steal? 30 carries, whew, 123 yards. 77 of them coming after contact. What a beast. And two touchdowns. That's three straight games with two or more touchdowns. A touchdown in seven straight games, at least one. Guy has been a touchdown monster, yardage monster, usage monster, everything. Everything checks the boxes for Joe Mixon. And where those receivers are constantly up and down, and it's tough to figure out that pass game, the one steady Joe Mixon is a dominant RB1 this year. Love to see it. The Chicago running back scene, not the sexiest backfield in the league or even close to it. But David Montgomery is back to his full-time role, and he has a week schedule coming up, or so the rumor goes. 14 rushes for 54 yards in the Bears' Week 11 loss to the Ravens, which they <laughs> appeared to be winning the entire time <laughs> until the very end, and then just found, yeah, I mean, God, man, the Bears, only the Bears lose shit like that. They're amazing, them and the Vikings, um, although the Vikings won this week. Uh, if you're interested in cheese nibbling in that backfield, Khalil Herbert, who had looked pretty good, Rushed one time for zero uh, zero yards, so uh, this guy's done, basically. 100%. 93.3% of the running back rushes. And as you mentioned, the schedule does get a lot softer. So even though the production wasn't quite there, this is one of those ones you look at as a positive long-term. If this is the type of usage he's going to get and the matchups get easier, you love to see it. We did see Antonio Gibson started horrendous. Uh, eight carries, uh, didn't do anything. 
But then he ultimately turned things around, getting over 76 rushing yards on 14 carries in the second half, ended up getting over almost 100 yards. Wasn't great, wasn't gorgeous, but it, it's been two straight games now. He has been the significant, you know, over 60% of the snaps, well ahead of J.D. McKissick. After that was a situation very much in flux week to week, it does seem like Gibson, even if the, the game flow isn't quite perfect, he is going to be seeing more and more work. Solid stuff for him. Not great, but definitely a step in the right direction. There's another guy who's been solid. James Conner, 21 carries, 62 yards, only three yards a carry. Not very good, but the 21 carries is significant. Oh, yeah. Got a touchdown off those. Also had five catches on six targets for another 37 yards. You know, I want to call him a plotter. He hasn't really seemed like a plotter at times this year. Those are kind of plotting numbers right there. But, I mean, this guy's a must-start every week. Oh, yeah. Five straight games with a touchdown. He's now up to 12 rushing scores and 13 total TDs on the year. And we still have a lot of time to go. He might get to 20 total touchdowns on this season. And it's just great to see this happen. You know, a lot of it was like, oh, geez, you must play without Murray. And that offense takes a step back. Well, Colt McCoy, really, he over 300 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he really kept that engine going. The five catches and 37 yards as well. James Conner's a monster. You got to start him every week, even when Chase Edmonds is back. But especially right now, while he's out. Intriguingly, I mean, maybe not intriguingly, this is just a nightmare. The Bills running back situation. We had a a little while where Zach Moss was dependable, and then maybe Moss or Singletary week to week, and now it's a three-headed, disgusting nightmare. Matt Breida has led this team in fantasy points in back-to-back weeks, most recently going for 51 yards on five carries, 16 yards on his lone catch, and that was enough to lead the team in backfield points. That's really all you need to know, but 45% of the backfield rushes went to him. Meanwhile, Zach Moss, three carries for five yards, bordering on cuttable at this point, maybe not even bordering. I think you can get rid of him. Similar to Singletary, three carries, 26 yards, and three catches for 26 yards as well. So also okay, but Brita, again, leading the team in fantasy points. He himself might actually be startable, but you look at the snapshot, 38% Singletary, 32% Brita, 29% Moss. So Moss on the, the, the odd man looking in here at this point, and maybe Brita's worth a pickup, but I don't know. This backfield's just a mess. Disgusting. Yeah, don't touch it. Matt, uh, Miles Sanders, he looked pretty good in his first game back, while Jordan Howard actually sprained his knee and will not be going next week. So uh, he's going to get a chance to build on that. 16 rushes, 94 yards. It's pretty solid. It was about six yards a carry. He did fumble, and it was a costly fumble. It resulted in a Saints touchdown. And honestly, uh, you know, I thought he fumbled another time, but they called it back. But anyway, I mean, not bad. Eagles got the win anyway. Sanders, pretty encouraging debut after his uh, injury. Absolutely. And Jordan Howard, as you mentioned that injury, he was out carrying Sanders 9-8 to at halftime, certainly after the fumble. You wonder if, if if he hadn't gotten hurt, what would have happened to Sanders? But they did go back right. to the guy. He had some really timely chain-moving rushes against a really good rush defense. Now he gets, the as you mentioned, the Giants coming up and then the godforsaken Jets run D in his next two. And just the schedule as a whole is a complete cakewalk. So he could be a nice, viable, high-end RB2 moving forward. Maybe the single biggest riser of the week and also biggest faller in that breath, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire dominated the work here. 12 carries, 63 yards, and a TD. Three avoided tackles, two catches, and 13 receiving yards. Just looking like he never missed any time. Fully healthy. Probably as spry as I think he's ever looked. Uh, He saw 70% of the backfield touches. That's his highest since week two. So for a fresh off injury, in pregame, the tweets were like, we don't know how big he's going to be worked in. You know, Daryl Williams is still the guy. And I guess Daryl Williams, he did play more snaps, 36 to 32. He ran more routes, 25. Yeah, how to come you don't get fantasy points for snaps? 
No, exactly. Point per snap leagues still not out there at this point. Heller did see 14 to, uh, opportunities compared to just eight for Williams, who just fizzled into the background here. Five carries, 15 yards, one catch for 11. Borderline droppable right off the bat at, at this as the type of usage moving forward. Hilaire, meanwhile, right back in the lineups moving forward at, at this rate as well. Yeah, it, I mean, that was probably the biggest single like flop of a backfield uh, th- this week to, to see that flip immediately with CEH back. I was su- surprised and not in a good way. Yeah. Not not like, oh, what a great a birthday surprise. present surprise. Yeah. Like, you know, right. There's other bad surprises. That was one of them. Yeah. Um, and personally, I think it's the wrong call, but we'll see. Andy Reid, uh, you know, for some reason, they take his opinion more seriously than mine. <laughs> Titans, RBs, uh, their wow. backfield. I can't believe we're even going to spend waste time talking about it. Just this, to remind you guys. We're, how but we're going to. I, you know, we're just going to remind you why you should avoid the Titans backfield. <laughs> Deontay Foreman, seven rushes for 35 yards. Dontrell Hilliard, also seven rushes for 35 yards. Uh, is any of that getting you excited? No, but eight catches for him on 10 targets. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think, I think the mo- reason to put this on there is there's a ton of Donta Foreman stretch run league winner. He sees eight opportunities, the fewest on the team. 11 went to Peterson. 17 went to fucking Hilliard, who, who even knew who Hilliard was ahead of this game. I still don't. I, I don't either. He played the Jeremy McNichols role. He did see about 20% target share. That was pretty intriguing. Uh, but it just reminds you, since Henry's injury, no running back has seen more than 50% of the total rushes in a single game. It, it went Peterson as the leader. Then it went Foreman. Then it went Hilliard. As our good friend John Daigle of the podcast says, Godspeed. If you really want to go into this backfield, Godspeed to you. Who gives a shit? It's awful. Disgusting. Ty Johnson, he didn't do much, but he did get all the snaps after Mike Carter, who's going to be out for two to three weeks. Uh, so that's a guy that could be a viable addition again. He, I think he totaled like 25 yards on the day. Nothing special. It is of note that without Mike White, the, the White Lightning, who targeted running backs 39, 40, and 37% of the time in his three starts. Flacco only targeted the position 12% of the time. So it doesn't mean that's going to be the case every single week by any means, but certainly it looked like you'd always have a locked-in high running back piece of the aerial pie. Not a guarantee, and certainly not a guarantee. And that was with with Michael Carter out there, one of the better pass-catching backs right now in the league. That's pretty sketchy. So yeah, Ty Johnson, definitely one of the the more intriguing waiver wire ads, but not like – it's not somebody that at this point of the year you want to blow all your fab on. There's somebody more valuable at some point, right? I, I don't know. It's it's still gross. It's a gross situation. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joe Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, nine rushes for 37 yards, adding five receptions for 24 yards, and he was targeted seven times. That's a season high. The only reason that this stat line, which is otherwise unimpressive in a game that the Raiders lost, is that Kenyon Drake had traditionally been the lead pass-catching target out of the backfield for the Raiders, and he seemed to cede those duties uh, to Jacobs. So, Drake, you'd almost have to think, I don't know, maybe you don't drop him right this second, but if this trend is anything, uh, if it continues, there's really no reason to keep Kenyon Drake around. No, and honestly, we're still a couple bi-week crunches here with only two targets. That that was the whole point for value for Kenyon Drake. If, if that's going to go to Jacobs now, I don't. I think you can cut him right away. I okay. have to activate Miles Sanders from the IR. My first man down is Drake. He's getting sent to the the trash heap where he belongs from once he came. Mark Ingram, sixteen carries, eighty eight yards, six catches, twenty five additional yards, a nice twenty two touches. 
there. He has now seen 78% of the snaps, 30 of 38 running back, 30 of 36 running back carries, 40 of 47 running back touches, 15 of 16 targets, nearly 20% target share since Kamara went down. Yeah, he gets the bills, but if Kamara misses that game, that usage keeps him locked in to a low-end RB1 workload. And again, the bills, like five touchdowns on the ground. I don't know that this is a matchup we really have to avoid anymore. Big day for Ingram. And just, again, clear-cut fringe RB1 with uh, with Kamara out. Ravens backfield, we see Devontae Freeman with a huge tick up and Latavius oh, Murray with a huge tick down. Freeman went 16 rushes for 49 yards and a score. He also had six catches for 31 additional yards. Meanwhile, Latavius Murray, 10 rushes for only 32 yards, two catches for one yard. You'd have to say, I mean, again, this is another backfield I'm not crazy about. It's just like too uncertain, too much going on. Lamar Jackson's nibbling too much of the backfield cheese, the ground pie. But if you're looking for a guy right now, it seems like it's not Latavius Murray. It is Devontae Freeman. Yeah, 22 touches compared to 12 for Murray. That does tell me this. he's taken a bit of this backfield over, especially with Tyson Williams, zero touches. So he's completely erased. So two-man, two-headed nightmare and a guy that's getting the clear-cut work. I think Freeman is a fringe every week starter at this point. Over his last five games, he's averaged nearly 14 PPR points per game compared to just 2.7 PPR game points per game to start the year I do think Freeman moving forward is, is going to be ranked as my top 20 running 24-ish running backs a low-end RB2 each and every week because Roman scheme is that productive Seahawks backfield it is just disgusting 10 carries went to to freaking Alex Collins he did nothing with him another sub five point day DJ Dallas did get the score just reminding you that his backfield's a nightmare. Rashad Penny was going to be heavily involved, but guess what always happens with Rashad Penny? He gets hurt the first time he touches the rock. What a useless piece of shit. Just a gross backfield. The only reason this backfield was ever really valuable was because Russell Wilson kept such an intriguing offense that generated tons of scoring opportunities. Clearly, that's not the case anymore. This is one of the most boring there's nothing fun. It used to be like the Seahawks were on TV and you're like, okay, I get a fun game. I'm going to get to go oh, yeah. do some dazzling. Not anymore. I hate this team. It's so no. bad. I want them to just be done for the year. I'm sick of them. They are terrible to watch. And I agree with you. If you'd said before the season, what were some of the most fun teams to watch? They had probably been top five for me. Um, with Malcolm Brown on IR and Salvin Ahmed, a healthy scratch. All of a sudden that leaves the backup for Miles Gaskin is Duke Johnson. And there is no better recipe to get great, usage because if the guy breathing down your neck is duke johnson okay <laughs> gaskin got 23 rushes for 89 yards it's like okay but the usage that's great three catches for seven yards oh that's pit pitiful but he did get a touchdown on those <laughs> meanwhile johnson had four carries but gaskin completely dominated the backfield uh he has not put up huge numbers but his usage has been incredible especially in the last three weeks yeah 83 percent rushing share 87 and 82 percent rush share across those three weeks 15 5 and 11 percent target share one of the clearest three down backs even though he might be the worst starter of running backs in the league yeah. still getting it done i don't even know why we put the texans on here burkhead had 18 carries so he clearly dominated the work he mustered a robust 40 yards on those as a team the backfield of the texans had 32 carries and they turned that into 56 rushing yards just a disgusting hideous go throw up pretty gross as well jeff wilson to round out running your backs. boy carries. my boy did see 19 carries like to see that 50 yards hated to see that pretty useless on that front one catch for eight yards dominated in terms of snaps he had 32 compared to 17 and 10 for Trey Sermon and Debo Samuel, their best running back on the roster. What do you have, like 
uh, 80 yards rushing was amazing. Uh, but ultimately, those 17 snaps for Sermon, eight of them came when they were up 27 to three. They were just kind of milking the clock. So it was the Jeff Wilson show. Should we have uh, an injury to Eli Mitchell that lingers? Wilson's the only other running back in addition to Will uh, Mitchell to see 65% of the rushes and 10% target share. So he is a pretty much locked in every down back. Didn't do a whole lot with that. I still would trust him, though, week to week, given how good this backfield is. If he's the lead guy, I I'm not done with him yet. We're about to go into wide receivers. But before we do, please give us a like. We deserve it. We just hit a ton of running backs. And, and you know, Pretty it, was quick, like, it was like dancing there. Like, that was like, that was good stuff. Justin Jefferson, a guy you alluded to earlier, said you really wanted – you want to talk about him? You said you wanted to talk about Justin Jefferson. I just love what we're seeing. I think he might be a top five, like top three receiver, to be honest, in the league right now. Gets eight catches, 169 yards, two touchdowns, 16.3 average depth of target. Love the deep ball usage. He is now, since they said they wanted to give him the ball more two weeks ago, racked up 21 targets, a 30% target share. Before it was just at 23% target share. So this seems like it's here to stay. The team is clearly better off when they're peppering him in, you know, 43 yard catch and run, 56 yard reception where he nearly got the touchdown. I mean, this guy could have had a three touchdown day. That's how sexy it was. Just a, a immediate, just ascension. And this is one of the worst play calling offenses in the league. I can only imagine what this guy would do with the right play caller, but beautiful to see this type of usage. You got to think they continue to dial him up 10 plus times every single week, given that type of production. Imagine if you're playing for the quarterback that's throwing to this guy, Devontae Adams, seven catches, a buck 15, two touchdowns. He was in the slot a little over 40% of the time. This was on eight targets. He went for 37 yards on like the first play of the game. And it just kind of seemed like from there, they did whatever they wanted to hit him a bunch. Could have hit him even more. I'm sure if they wanted to, but Rogers spread it around like crazy. This is kind of the production we expected from this guy. When you had him at the top of your wide receiver list unquestioned before the season. 100%. Maybe the biggest story of the week at wide receiver and probably the entire NFL, Elijah Moore, eight catches, 141, and a TD. Dominant performance, but was bigger than that. We've seen him putting up these like late game TDs, you know, 62 yarder score this week. What was bigger is the fact that he actually had a full time role. Uh, it's been a long time coming here. 80% of snaps, 81% of routes, 11 targets, a nearly 30% target share there. 35 routes on the 43 dropbacks. You just love to see that full-time role for a guy that clearly was so deserving of it. Had been the wide receiver five in his last four games. Now he's up to the wide receiver one since week eight, since Zach Wilson got hurt. Let's just hope Zach Wilson never returns because he's really the only time that Moore hasn't produced. To be in that full-time role and dominate the way he is, it kind of validates. Like, what sucks is I dropped him everywhere I had him. I was like, fuck it. This quarterback situation is so bad. As good as Moore is probably going to be, this isn't the year to have him. And look at him now. He's going to be a league winner down the stretch. Loved everything about this game. Uh, and nothing feels fluky because of how talented this guy is. This guy's an elite guy, too, in my opinion. Deontay Johnson, yeah. he's like a vacuum cleaner out there. He's doing it without much help uh, in the receiving core, in my opinion. Seven catches, 101 yards, one touchdown. Um, and they make a big deal about the kind of goal line fade that he caught where he had to catch it, get his feet down. It was a nice catch. I didn't think that was his best catch of the day. I thought that his best. Do you remember? Did you see the one that Ben like just threw? Like he was not open at all. And he just kind of buzzed it in and the guy caught it here. And they're like, oh, what a throw by Roethlisberger. And I was like, no, what a catch by Johnson. Right. Like that was a throw that like probably should have been picked off. He wasn't open. 
So anyway, I, I'm just very impressed with Deontay Johnson. He's he's dominant every single week. He's actually seen 13 exact targets five times. He's only been under dead 10 looks twice on the year. Volume, volume, volume. It's king, especially when they have that rapport. Those types of catches, as you say, don't happen with every receiver and, and quarterback. But, man, they have such a high level of trust and such chemistry. It's beautiful. Lovely performance from Brandon Ayuk. I think he's now yeah, returned. He's, he's to, back. I think it's official every week starter status. Seven receptions, 85 yards, and a score. Nearly 30% threat rate on that. 31% target share on the day. He is out of the doghouse. He played nearly all the snaps. And with Debo getting so many backfield looks, it looks like now that that Ayuk might be like the, the sneaky wide receiver. one. I know Debo's the number one weapon in this passing game the running game. But if they're going to give him that many backfield snaps moving forward, we've now seen 25, 20, 21, and 36% target share across the last four games for Brandon Ayuk. That's beautiful stuff. I think he can be right back into your lineups moving forward without question. Jalen Waddle, eight out of nine targets, 65 yards. And then he added a one yard rushing touchdown, which I'm sure had to piss Miles Gaskin owners off so much when that happened uh, in the Dolphins week 11 win over the Jets, which was a little closer than kind of I thought it should have been. Anyway, Waddle seems to be penciled in as a, you know, pretty easy start as well. I mean, he's been averaging, I think, seven catches a game over his last six. That's not nothing. No, not nothing at all. In fact, J.J. Zacharyson, one of our favorite guys, we cite a lot of the stats he comes up with, compared him to like Miami's version of Deontay Johnson because he's seeing 10-plus targets. I know only nine this week, but also saw carries. He's just such a great, dependable, high-usage guy. And he is now, I believe, once I double-checking, I think he's up to the wide receiver five. Wide receiver five since week six, since he really okay. took over as a full-time player. So all these rookies, I mean, we're looking at Elijah Moore as the wide receiver one since week eight. Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver five since week six. Jamar Chase, the wide receiver five on the season. Devonta Smith, the wide receiver seven across his last four games. This is a great rookie class. We knew it was going to be, but to this level, is pretty insane. Uh, so just great. Another just feather in the cap of this great receiving class. Moving now on to Mike Williams, who, as you mentioned, had that big, long catch towards the end of the game. But otherwise, that that really saved what was going to be another lackluster day. Five catches on just six targets, 97 yards and a TD. So at the end of the day, I can't complain too much. It's good fantasy numbers. But the fact remains, we saw Keenan Allen see 12 catches, uh, 12 targets, nine catches, remaining that every down vacuum. He has seen since their bye, 48 targets went to Keenan Allen, 22 went to Mike Williams. So it's a very clear cut. I'm the alpha now. Keenan Allen, it, it's what it's always been. Mike Williams will get a few more big plays here and there, given it is a better offense for his skill set. But he's not much higher than what he's been in the past. It's just a big play threat. Again, six targets, just another discouraging. Great that he performed on him. 53-yard catch and run touchdown. But still, that was a blown coverage. It was going to be a bad game again if that didn't happen. Yeah, and I mean, the state of my team, I have no choice but to keep rolling him out there. So yeah. uh, it's just yeah. going to be punishing for yours, truly. Uh, <laughs> a guy who also had a lousy, lousy game, Brandon Cooks, targeted Ugh. three times, caught two, 18 yards, and had a season-low 13% target share. I mean, now, terrible that at face value, obviously terrible. If I told you that Brandon Cooks was going to have those numbers, what what chances would you have thought that the Texans would kind of dominate the Titans over the course Remember, of the game? We cited the fact that their running game had 50 yards on 33 carries. So if I sure. show those stats in addition, right? Let's to just right those two stats right there, and and Tannehill threw for uh, 323 yards in the air. Yeah, exactly. Right. I saw. I I forget exactly what it was. Um, Jared Smola, one of our favorite accounts as well. 
He tweeted out, I believe it was the Texans had 120 total yards of offense and the Titans had 420 and the Titans lost. And they won. They lost easily, right? Abysmal. Darnell Mooney, first game without Allen Robinson on the year, he dominated. 121 yards on five catches and a TD, 16 targets. Holy shit. So wasn't all that efficient on 16, but 16 targets is 16 targets. And he dominated nearly 50% target share, 48 and a half, 23 PPR points. Again, not the most efficient day, but that'll do if he's getting that type of volume. It's looking like Allen Robinson, who did not practice today, uh, could miss the Thursday Thursday Thanksgiving game. Detroit, Darnell Mooney, probably a lineup lock coming in for you on Thursday, will be a popular DraftKings play, and deservedly so. What a beastly game for him. Terry McLaurin had a big game against a pretty stout Carolina defensive mm-hmm. back, cornerbacks, uh, whatever, defensive backfield. Uh, five out of seven targets, 103 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's got to be extremely encouraging. His big knock, of course, is that he seems like a pretty fragile guy out there. But when he's healthy and things are clicking, he's a serious threat and he proved it. Yeah, 100%. And, and Mr. Heineken just looking pretty good. Uh, solid day all around for that offense. Good to see McLaurin. You hope to – it's just been up and down for him. You want to see him get some stability here. And now we got to talk about this Cowboys offense, given their wide receiver situation is significantly in flux for Thursday, their, that Thanksgiving Day game. We saw Michael Gallup see 24% of targets. Cedric Wilson see 17%. Dalton Schultz see 19 Zeke 14 and, and Pollard 4 which I just don't understand. Pollard is such an electrifying playmaker every time he has the ball in his hands. I imagine that role steps up a little bit, but ultimately it was Gallup who led the team uh, in receiving 10 targets, five catches, 44 yards, pretty meh, four catches and 36 yards for Cedric Wilson. Nobody did a whole ton here, but these guys, you kind of can practice now with these two as your, your lead one and two after CeeDee Lamb had a concussion. He's expected to miss the game. We know Amari Cooper's unvaccinated and will also mix the game. So I imagine Gallup will be right there in the look, you know, the, the quality wide receiver twos and Cedric Wilson, maybe a streamer for those of you desperate for a, a plug and play uh, for Thursday against a beatable uh, Vegas secondary here. Not bad, but Dak, yes, sucked as we already talked about 189, 36 throws. I imagine that's going to improve though uh, for, for this game. We'll see. Marquez Valdez Scantling, who we probably should have talked about when we talked about Devante, uh, yeah. same receiving court. But anyway, he only had four catches, but he was targeted 10 times. And he did go for 123 yards and a score. Of course, a lot of that came on that big 75-yard catch that he had uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. MBS probably benefited by the fact that Alan Lazard was inactive. But still, I mean, it seems like everybody on the Packers ate, basically. Yeah, 32% target share is no joke. I imagine when Lazard does return, that will steady out a little bit. But definitely a flyer worth taking on games where you think the, the shootout potential is there. Manuel Sanders, I mean, he was a must-start for the first six games, 15 PPR points per game to begin the year. He's now down to 5.8 PPR points across his last four. Yet another dud, three catches on five targets, 26 yards. I need to start ranking him with this in mind. Certainly with Dawson Knox seeing 10 targets back in the fold. We'll talk about him in tight ends in a second. But he is just so high variance when the scores aren't happening. He's now up to nine catches for 118 scoreless yards across his – last four games and again under six ppr points on average it's been bad it's it's unusable at this point certainly needs to find benches moving forward until we see if, if it turns around i'm not positive it will rondell moore targeted 11 times caught them all only 51 yards that's kind of weird yeah. but still 11 catches in uh half ppr or full ppr and fantasies a pretty big deal 11 out of 11 nothing to sneeze at 
51 yards, meh, no touchdowns, whatever. Still a pretty interesting game. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Hopkins back uh, maybe as early as this week. I think they're on by this week, and then uh, week 13 we'll see. I imagine Hopkins will be back, and I don't think we'll ever see more, see another 11-target day. But just intriguing usage, again, for this rookie class that's shining right now. Nick Westbrook-Akeen, seven catches, 107 yards, the Ooh. only maybe positive for the entire Titans organization on Sunday. Uh, was the, was clear-cut number one guy with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones out. And should those guys miss the time, A.J. Brown did suffer a hand injury as well as a chest injury. They think neither one is serious and they could be back as early as Sunday. But should he not be, we'll see Nick Westbrook potentially sign. We also did see Des Fitzpatrick, rookie, uh, catch his first NFL touchdown. So he might be on the streaming radar as well. But this Nick Westbrook, whoever, would be my number one option for the Titans right now. Rashad Bateman had a pretty forgettable game, drawing only a 16.7% target share, despite the fact that Hollywood did not play. Three out of six targets, or three catches on six targets for 29 yards. The Ravens did win that game. I'm not too concerned. Lamar didn't play. I'd say move on. I think the same thing, but it was still discouraging. I mean, it was crap. Everybody calling for Rashad Bateman, weak myself included. Didn't happen. Pretty sad about it. Jamar Chase, I... As good as the guy is, he's been – this is pretty discouraging. You'd be shocked. Wide receiver 26, wide receiver 39, and now wide receiver 23 on the week so far. Actually down to wide receiver 24, given that Claypool and uh, Deontay Johnson both had better days. 32 yards and a score. So, I mean, he does score all the time. But, man, he's, he's all season, his expected fantasy points are Guy Jackson, one of the best articles we do. Jamar Chase has been pretty low. He's actually below T. Higgins in terms of team expected fantasy points, given a low target share. He just has made so much happen, one of the most efficient receiving seasons we've ever seen. But is that efficiency starting to come back? He's been averaging over nine fantasy points above expectation. But these last few weeks, it seems like he hasn't been quite the efficient monster we had seen earlier. I still think he's he's a monster. You're never going to take him out of lineups, but was probably a decent sell high while you could have a few weeks ago. Now you're probably just stuck riding out whatever happens. It's official. McCall Hardman is a part-time player. Yeah. Two catches on three targets, 25 yards. He only ran a pass route on about a sixth of Patrick Mahomes' drop-back passes. Uh, if you were wondering if he's been demoted, seems like he's been demoted. Yeah, 100%. Byron Pringle running ahead of him. Anytime you're below something named Byron Pringle, that, that's not good for your life stock total. Tight ends moving forward. And these are the last. We have five names to cover. This will go really fast. And then we will spend the last 25, 30 minutes, however many. We're up to nearly 50 questions. Love it, Wolfpack. Get them all in there. Shout out who won you the weeks. Shout out who blew you the weeks and bitch them on out. Use us as your therapist. Who cares? We're here for you. And also, of course, if you have questions, get them on in. We'll start with Darren Waller. We talked about how this guy has been pretty disappointing as a whole, but he finally had yet another game. His only third time above 12 fantasy points on the year, but nice to see. Seven catches, 116 yards. All my teams with Darren Waller suddenly won. It's nice when you finally get reminded why you took this guy in the second round. I think you got it. It's one of those guys, as soon as you see it, it's like, okay, the squeaky wheel's getting greased, and I hope so moving forward. This is the case. Uh, those eight targets were the highest he's seen since, I believe, week one. Let's hope this continues to move forward. An easy shootout matchup against Dallas. Can't wait to see what he does on, on Thanksgiving Day. Travis Kelsey also targeted eight Monster. times. He hauled in five of them for 74 yards. Uh, he also had a rushing touchdown from a couple yards out, which I happened to see that play. It was a pretty well-drawn-up play. It fooled me. Um, yeah. And he went right in, and it's just like, okay, as if Kelsey doesn't score doing enough stuff, we're going to rush him now every now and then too. This is just a pretty typical game for the top tight end in fantasy. 
Yeah. I got to shout out the Roto World uh, blurbs. It's one of my favorite resources in fantasy. They're quick hit analysis. And every now and again, they'll work in these little lines that give you a good fantasy chuckle. Oh, what do they say? <laughs> Travis Kelsey had his weekly drop pass and weekly sideline helmet slam, along with another <laughs> elongated stare at the hands that betrayed him. <laughs> I just love it. Just he did great. have all those things. It's true. <laughs> the weekly helmet slam, the, the stare at the hands, the, the elongated slam. Well, well done, Roto World. I, I really appreciate those types of little nuggets to work in Dawson Knox though back to the fantasy goodness I had had a monster game yet again 10 targets held in six of them for 80 yards didn't score which has kind of been his calling cards all year but seeing 26 percent target share that's beautiful stuff I think he's right back into he was our higher our higher of the week for tight ends and he showed why right away uh definitely in your top five moving forward each and every week what about this guy? This we we got Dawson Knox right as our higher. I called this guy our lower. Mm, Go ahead. Pretty good day. Who Zach? Yeah, Zach. Zach Ertz, eight catches, eighty-eight yards, two touchdowns. He had seven Ooh. total first downs or touchdowns. Not too shabby. It was easily his most productive game of the season. Keep in mind, on that same offense, Rondell Moore had eleven catches. So I mean, the ball was getting spread around. Ertz, huge part of the passing offense. Huge, huge chunk of that aerial pie. We will see if that continues with D-Hop back. I suspect no. I, I also, also you know, got pretty lucky because he got a two-yard score after Connor was stuffed on the one-yard line. So it yes. would have been a good day, uh, but it, it turned into an excellent day because of that. Yep. So something to note, Pat Fryermuth did have another touchdown, just a red zone monster, only 11 yards on four catches, seven targets. Eh. Also very eh was the fact that uh, they both, Fryermuth and Eric Ebron, tied with 51% route rates. Ebron was more productive with 24 yards in a score, but he also got hurt. And so that's kind of the reason he's on here uh, is he suffered a knee injury. We don't know how serious it is. His status definitely needs to be monitored for week 12. And of course, if he can't go, Frymuth's already been, he was my tight end eight this last week and he paid that off. He was in the top 10 because of the tight end, uh, the touchdown he scored would be that much higher uh, if he, if he does uh, get the lone role moving forward in week 12. All right, Adam Troutman, out four to six weeks with a sprained MCL. Too bad. He was kind of a borderline start, right? Yeah, he was our Hail Mary of the week, and he had right. five catches, 58 yards, and a TD. Looked right. really solid after seeing, you know, 17, 16, 18, then 22% target share. So we had him on here, like, to highlight him as an up. And then right as we were getting on live, Schefter tweets out four to six weeks, probably done for your fantasy regular season and, and rest of the season. Not that anybody even rostered him, but he was going to be one of the more popular pickups Maybe to replace a guy like Dan Arnold, who had become one of the highest floor, you know, twenty. Hey, that's another guy we've weeks. been high on. We've been high oh. on him too, man. He had been dominating, and he pulled a zero target day. The dreaded dash. Nothing worse than you don't even see like target on there. He just the Hawkinson dash. Oh, the worst. He did run seventy five percent of the routes, sixty five percent of the snaps. He was so in he got there. A good workout anyway. <laughs> exactly. Got got a good light jog in there. Uh, and just to quickly hit some injuries, CeeDee Lamb is probably not going to play in Week 12. A.J. Brown did avoid a serious injury, so probably likely to go, but we'll monitor that. Fields did avoid broken ribs, but the, Andy Dalton kind of moved that offense better. I imagine they'll play it a little slow with him on Thanksgiving. Landry ag aggravated his knee injury. After having his probably best day of the season uh, since Week 1, eh, pretty sketchy now moving forward. Jordan Howard also suffered a knee sprain. That's big for Miles Sanders. Boston Scott and maybe even Gainwell getting activated again, but he's with a distant third and a healthy scratch this week. Nothing serious. And then I'm going to have to start finding a new Hail Mary every week, given that Jamal Agnew is out. 
sadly to see. He was he was dominating usage early on. Looked like he might be paying out as a Hail Mary. Didn't happen. And last but not least, a guy on a lot of waiver wires right now, Logan Thomas, was a top five tight end for a reason entering the year. Could walk right into it with RSJ hurt. Uh, I could see Logan Thomas ending the season as a, a nice top eight option each and every week moving forward. So check your waiver wire. See if he's still out there. All righty, folks. We got 60 questions. Love to see that on a Monday. So let us now hit. RotaryJoe.com is where we breed and feed you fantasy wolves. You can find all our rankings, written content, all that good stuff there. And in your iOS app, I'll be live. I actually don't know the exact schedule. So I'll tweet it out at RotoStreetWolf when I know the exact schedule. We, me and you got to link up to the figure out, you know, what days you can go, what days can I go? It was this time last year, if I'm not mistaken, we went early on a Wednesday and got bombarded by like the YouTube oh, kids. <laughs> was that was that this like I think that was like two years ago. It was it was either I think it was last year on Thanksgiving, like right right at like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. If we're like, what the hell? All right, well, you know, maybe 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 we'll run it back. We'll see. Let's let's run it back and hope the kitty boppers are back out in town. We'll find out. Uh, right. but thank you guys for being here. Uh it is true, a little bit boom bust, absolutely. Appreciate the views. We appreciate you guys being here on your way out. If you haven't already hit that thumbs up. And certainly if you aren't subbed to the channel, we're very close to that 2K goal. We're less than 100 away. We've got another couple of weeks left in November. Would love to get there. So keep helping us out, Wolfpack. Thanks again so much. I'm the Wolf. I'm the truth. Wolf full of fancy sheep. Be that Wolf, guys. Later. Later. We used to have it all. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.